This is a test. This is a test. This is another test. Another test. Bow chicka wow wow. Those dulcet tones, copyright and rights free. We don't have to pay for any of those. Thanks for inventing our own theme song, Tony D. Tell us about that theme song. What does it actually mean? I don't know. James Fleming said we needed a theme song to start our podcast, so everyone knows that it's the parked up podcast that's starting. And that's our theme, okay? It's a bit of uh, adult entertainment. Maybe, maybe. Adult entertainment has been a little bit in the news with a motor racing tinge. We'll get to that. You are listening to Parked Up, powered by our good friends at The Race Fuels. My name is Grant Rowley, and this right next to me, you can't see him because you're in your car driving along with the volume turned up, trying to uh, wish your trip away. It is Tony Dalberto, driver of the TCR Australia Honda, also endurance driver for the greatest supercars team in the land. Is is that a fair way to call Dick Johnson Racing Team Penske? It's definitely one of the best. I mean, they've won the last two championships, Bathurst, like a million races last season out of a million races. So You didn't win any of them, though. No, well, I only did three. And, uh, you know, I'm only the co-driver grant, so I technically can't win any at all. No, 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 no. You can win them. You can win them. You can you can win trophies, surfboards, all sorts of things. Actually, you could win the co-drivers race at Sandown for the 500, but no, we didn't. But I'll tell you what, we had a pretty good run last year in the Mustang. I'm really looking forward to this year getting back out there when we do. A little bit of a reduced calendar for supercar enduros, being probably just Bathurst, but I'm glad they're keeping the best race of the year in the Bathurst 1000. Yeah, we got to do some racing at Bathurst. You definitely know what way that circuit goes. Just recently, we finally completed the Car Sales ARG Esport Cup. After 10 weeks of intense online racing competition, the Australian Racing Group supported series came to an end. It started at Bathurst. We had such a good night that night, didn't we? <laughs> uh, and it ended at Bathurst as well. But just this week, we had a two-driver, two-hour touring car race at Bathurst. It went really well. It was a great race. There was uh, there was heaps and heaps going on. You know, real uh, real good entertainment. Good Thursday night viewings, and a, uh, a champion was crowned. But before we talk about the champion. Your race, you finished eighth, you and Fabian Coulthard. Good job. Yeah, it actually turned out all right. The start wasn't great. I uh, got involved in a crash with another competitor. I'm not actually sure who, who that was, but they had a crash, come back across the track and sort of had nowhere to go, cleaned us up. So it put us behind the eight ball a little bit because we had to pit for repairs on the car and then we were sort of out of sequence a little bit, but a late safety car brought us back into the game and Fabian, you know, really uh, raced really smart. You know, I was actually on board with him the last, the whole last stint, and there's people shunting, and he's, you could see him predicting where that car was going to end up and making his way through the field. So showing his experience in real racing and, and steering clear of all that trouble. And, yeah, to finish eighth, to be honest, feels like a bit of a win because I've had a terrible run in the, on this online racing, and nice to finish off the last round with a bit of a result spurs me on a little bit to do a bit more online racing but i'm a little bit happy that it's the end of it to be honest because it signals that real racing is coming back and that i can have my weeknights back to uh, 
myself and my family. This is not the end of online racing. There will be more, more come about, and you've got all the gear now. And I know you started with no idea, but you've got a little more of an idea about this online racing. Do you, do you reckon you'll do a little bit more, jump on with mates, enter competitions? What do you reckon? I definitely think I'm a lot keener for online racing and I've got a, I really want to love it, Grant. I really do, but it frustrates me so much. But I've got a little confession to make, Grant. Go. I put the simulator for sale this morning. <laughs> In retirement already. Six o'clock this morning, first job I did uh, was put the simulator on a sim Facebook uh, page uh, to try and sell my current sim. Now I've got uh, a really nice steering wheel with a Fanatec wheel, some amazing pedals from our friends at SimWorks, but I'm going to take them off and I'm going to put the original Hyper Simulator uh, steering wheel and pedals back on my, my rig and I want to try and sell that off so I can build myself a much more comfortable rig. Well, okay, cool. So I, you didn't read the disclosure, but uh, parked up, there can be no like free adverts. So our accounts people are going to send you a bill for that uh, that free plug that you've just given yourself. So so you want to keep sim racing, but you're just going to get rid of that some of that equipment and uh, put that into funding a um, the ultimate TD sim. Is that right? Yeah, sort of. I mean, I've learned a lot about sim racing over the last few months and I'd like to build a sim that's a bit more realistic to what I normally drive and, you know, seating position and all that sort of stuff. So uh, the one that I have is almost like an open wheeler seating position and I'd like to get away from that and maybe get a gear lever and, and especially if we're not going to do a huge amount of running prior to the Bathurst 1000 or uh, some of the TCR events, you know, I could potentially use the online racing as a bit of a training tool, but I wanted a little bit more realistic of what I normally have in the real world. So that's my theory behind it. So yeah, that, that was the, the reason for putting the sim uh, up for sale this morning. Already had a few bites, which is exciting, but hopefully a few of our listeners get in touch and you know maybe throw me an offer and I'm open to negotiating. So uh, I, just, I don't want to just get rid of it because I'm not desperate to, but the sooner I can sell it, the sooner I can move on to another sim. Tony Dealberto loves a deal, absolutely loves a deal. Well, while you and Fabian were toiling around for eighth place and no doubt uh, enjoying your ice, ice cream, thinking about how much you want to sell your sim for and, and all of those things, uh, we had a real race going on at the very front of the field, not just for the two-hour two-driver Bathurst Enduro, but also for the championship as well. So the race was actually won by Josh Files, um, international TCR driver and regular sim guru, Cooper Webster. I'm not sure how old he is. I'm going to guess he's really young because he's very, very, very good at driving these sims. He had an awesome dice at the end of the race where he passed the car of Dylan O'Keefe right at the end on the last lap, uh, the, the race was, um, you know, just at the time of day that it was where the sun was coming down and the shadows were on the track. It had that uh, real cool end of a Bathurst touring car enduro feel. So the race at the front was real good. But we also had a really, really tight race for the championship. Eventually won by Jaden Ransley, Kiwi, races for Track Tech Racing. Uh, one of the New Zealand TCR teams. 
He came into that round with basically no shot. Harley Haber, representing the V8 Touring Cars, had led the championship for most of the journey. He'd been the fastest, he'd collected the most race wins, and he went into that event with a 40-point lead. So it was always going to be hard for someone to beat him, but they did. Harley found himself in trouble at the chase, having an incident right at the front of the field. He actually took out, or the incident that he caused, took out Ransley. Ransley had to fight his way back when uh, Haber's teammate, Farwin El Nazi, jumped in. Uh, he was involved in an incident as well, uh, which caused, caused another penalty. It just didn't go Harley's way. He was certainly the fastest, but in the end, not the most consistent, because Jaden Ransley, he didn't even win a race the whole season. He collected zero race wins but took home the biggest prize yeah and that's really interesting that consistency obviously worked for him but i can't help but feel a little bit disappointed for harley haber i mean he had the pace like massive incredible pace all championship he was the guy to beat and he put together a really nice run but it just shows you though in this online racing it's really quite unpredictable and very hard to stay out of trouble. I mean, I found it a huge amount during my journey on online racing, and I'm very much a novice. He, he's a professional, so to speak, but it, it can bite you at times, and unfortunately, the night just didn't go to, to plan. At the end of the race, he actually came up behind Fabian, and Fabian commented about how he was going to let him through because he was so aggressive and throwing that car around. He was almost driving in pure desperation to try and get back close enough to get enough points to win the championship so we let him go and he sort of like part of the seas for us a little bit uh, those last few laps so a bit of a shame but it's great for uh, you know Jaden as well to to win the championship because you know he, he put together a, a great championship as well and uh, that's what it's all about you know you can never ever say die and you've got to keep trying and hopefully uh, it comes your way so Great to have those guys on board. A little bit, a bit of a shame that an Aussie didn't win it. You know, uh, it was an, an Australian championship, but uh, you know, hopefully we see uh, Jaden out here racing a TCR car in the future. Well, I did ask him that, Tony, while you were um, swanning around somewhere around the streets. So I was doing some hard work for this great podcast, the Parked Up Podcast, powered by Race Fuels, and I gave Jaden Ransley a call to congratulate him on winning the series and see what the future holds for him in the real world. And on the line, we have the inaugural car sales ARG eSport Cup champion, Jaden Ransley. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It was um, cool to take the win there last uh, and take the championship last night with Andre driving as well, which was pretty cool. Um, obviously, good PR for me and for the series as well. Um, but Harley had a bit of an average round, uh, which, was, which played in our favour and yeah, stoked to come out with the championship fourth in the race at Bathurst but you had Andre Heimgardner in the car at the end battling with the likes of Scott McLaughlin and a, and a bunch of others were you a bit nervy uh, sitting there watching it all unfold yeah I was incredibly nervous um, with Andre in the car I sort of knew he was going to do everything right though so um, after halfway through it was just the goal was just to get home really with Harley, having, Harley being outside the 30 so um, yeah uh, really happy and uh, everything ran pretty smoothly apart from a bit of a bust up in the first half of the race but 
Uh, yeah, full credit to um, Brad, who was uh, on the crew chief for the car last night, and he did a really good job and gave us all the right pit stop times to come in, so it was really cool. Yeah, so the 10-week ARG Sport Cup has come to an end, and, and we really enjoyed it. We, we enjoyed putting it on while we've been in this in this lockdown period, in the, in the parked-up period, without any real racing. You did extremely well, and you were very, very consistent, but you didn't actually take a win, a race win, throughout the, the whole 10 weeks. Yeah, correct. Um, we, didn't really get a, we didn't really get a chance at a race win, really. Um, we had two podiums throughout the year, but I guess consistency was key over the duration of the other 10 weeks. So, um, yeah, we did quite well just to stay out of trouble all year, and um, full credit to RG. They put on an awesome series, and uh, it's definitely um, one of the better series that I was competing in over the lockdown and uh, hopefully it can carry on into something else. One thing that we were extremely impressed with, we started the season at Bathurst and it was a bit of a crash fest. We ended the season at Bathurst with even more drivers in that in the two driver format and the racing was really really clean. Given that the field was made up generally of real world races many of whom hadn't done too much sim racing did could you see the improvement amongst the the pack as the, as those 10 weeks went on yeah absolutely uh even myself uh going into the first round having not much idea on what to do uh it was it was cool to see at the end of the year that everyone had, had sort of picked up the game a bit and was was going a lot faster and driving a lot cleaner so um even it was cool having the sim races in for the last round uh jackson susan harlow and stuff they were incredibly fast but it's also good to learn off them uh, but yeah hopefully this leads to something else in the future with the TCR E-Series it would be really cool well TCR E-Series is one thing what about TCR real world racing can we can we convince you to uh, come and do more with track tech racing who you were representing the New Zealand based team or or maybe some other TCR Australia racing what's the what's the plan and how how can we get you in uh, yeah, for sure. We're in talks with a few teams um, prior to the championship happening as well. So um, we, the plan would be to come over and do TCR Aussie, but obviously it all comes down to budget. So if we can string the budget together, I'm sure we'll be over there and um, giving it our, our giving it a red hot crack. But uh, for now, we're just trying to get the budget together to go over there and get over there at this stage. So we thank Jaden for his time and Tony. Great to hear that you might actually get to race against him in the real world at uh, maybe as early as Sydney Motorsport Park uh, if he can get a deal together to race in the TCR Australia Series. I don't know whether I'm excited about that or not to see his form in the TCR car uh, on the online racing. Hopefully he doesn't carry that much form across to the real world uh, because he'll be winning by a mile. But, uh, yeah, great to see that he's pushing really hard to be on the grid. He's obviously got big ambitions for motorsport. And I, I think it's great to see that TCR is considered as a stepping stone for a young driver. So we'll see what, what pans out. It's, obviously, it's, it's a very hard road trying to find money to go racing, as we know, and, and at the moment harder than ever. But I'm sure he's got some people in his corner to try and help him make that happen. And be great to see him on the grid representing New Zealand and see our inaugural Car Sales ARG Esport Cup champion race in the real world. Yeah, well, that would be good. I think we've done him a nice little service, actually, uh, getting him uh, into the spotlight. But full credit to Jaden, not only for winning 
But, you know, he did a lot of social media stuff. He made some extra video content to really drive it. The Tracktech racing team that he's linked to over in New Zealand, they're actually based at, at Highlands. They, they, they were doing um, media releases, uh, social media content based around the Car Sales ARG Esport Cup. So really good to see them thoroughly engaged and, and trying to get the most out of it while we're in this unfortunate uh, parked up situation. But TrackTech has made it pretty clear that they do want to come out. They've got a couple of Audis to race in the TCR series, whether that's in New Zealand, in Australia, or the beauty of the TCR series, you can take them anywhere in the world and, and compete. The great thing is in Australia, you, we've got some pretty cool tracks that we're, we're going to be going to and, and competing on. Sydney Motorsport Park, Phillip Island, Bathurst. Uh, you know, there's an excellent uh, collection of events that that they can do. So yeah, awesome that Jaden did it. But uh, now, yeah, eSport Cup's over, and we get to focus on real racing. The first major race that we are going to get to see here in Australia is, is the return of the Supercars Championship. Uh, it will be round two of their series. It seems like a long, long time ago. We were in Adelaide Parklands uh, burning around there. So Sydney Motorsport Park is the venue. One thing that has popped up in the news, Tony, over the past few days, a few weeks, is uh, what formats they're going to run. So there's big there's questions over you know shorter races, longer races, no pit stops, reverse grids, lots of things. And, and of course, they need to produce the most entertaining product they can. They also need to be pretty mindful about the costs associated with it as well. So we're probably unlikely to see pit stops, which, you know, require extra people to come. So that costs a bit of money. Reverse grid races, very entertaining. We've seen that in the E-Series where they have reverse grid races all the time and they have massive crashes and cars launched up in the air and Neil Crompton getting super excited about things and, like, you know, thoroughly entertaining not really a great environment at the moment the the world's financial position not great to be going tearing up race cars so what's your take what race formats do you think supercars should go for i think they should definitely look at the short sprint style races to to get the racing happening in this current environment we obviously we don't have too many people at the circuit so let's not introduce uh, pit stops right now Let's do short races, and to really spice it up, I want to see reverse grid racing. And I honestly don't think, Grant, that there's going to be more damage incurred than a normal supercar race. You look at it this way. The fast guys are the best, most talented drivers out there. They're coming through the field, so they should be able to make a clean pass to keep that damage cost down and you know without damaging cars and all that sort of stuff and concern that teams have because right now teams are literally going to be struggling to make the grid and and that's a fact you know there's teams trying to reduce budgets sponsors pulling out everyone's in a world of hurt there's no doubt about it so the best thing that we can do is make it easy on the teams and do shorter races provide some entertainment for the people that are watching on tv which is going to be a hell of a, a hell of a lot of people we were talking to Fogues recently, and that was one thing that he commented on, like everyone's waiting for racing to come back, so there's going to be a huge spike in people watching it for that first race 
not just the first race, but that you know, that first outing, everyone's going to be really interested to see who's fast, who's not, where everyone's landed after this uh, long break. So let's not overcomplicate things. Short races, short weekends, and maybe throw in a reverse grid race to try and really spice it up because there is a lot of action there. I agree. I thoroughly agree. I feel that supercars need to make sure they do their best to get that first race weekend in Sydney absolutely spot on or as close to spot on as you can. You know, you have good car races, you have bad ones. You have good footy matches, you have bad ones. It always happens. For supercar's sake, I really hope that they have a good one regardless of whatever format they choose. So... I reckon the best possible way to do that is to chuck a big old reverse grid race into that into the middle of the weekend. I reckon most of the I reckon all of the drivers are sensible enough to know that they can't go and just tear tear things up and may and take as many risks as what they might have pre pre COVID. So I think that they should take a punt, trust the drivers that they have to put on the best possible show with all of those uh, financial and current world environment matters at mind. I absolutely agree. And to think that we've got the 25 of the best racing drivers in the country, you know, whether people have the opinion that some are there just because they got funding or sponsors or whatever, doesn't matter. All these drivers have done a huge amount of racing. Generally, they're in the car every second weekend. So they can definitely cope with a reverse grid race. You know, we see the grid split between, you know, six tenths from first to last. Everybody's doing an outstanding job. So if you pick up the guy that generally qualifies 20th for whatever reason and, and plonk him at the front of the grid, it's not like suddenly you've got a full amateur leading a motor race. You've still got a guy that is fully capable of winning a race and now they're actually at the front giving their sponsors exposure and giving all their fans and supporters that, that time in the limelight to actually get some value for their money and maybe encourage them to come back for the following year. So I think it, it's a win-win. Uh, you're going to see the good guys still rise to the top and come through the field. And uh, like I said before, they're going to have probably a faster car to make the pass, so it's going to be slightly easier than somebody that doesn't have a car that's quick enough trying to make a lunge for a pass and potentially crash so if you're gonna have a short race you're not gonna have as much tire degradation you don't have the strategy of a pit stop so you need to spice it up some way otherwise it is just gonna be a bit of a procession and we don't want to see that grant we want to see you know these exciting races to kick the season back off get everyone g'd up and enthusiastic about going racing again so i think it's going to be good now Talking supercars, there's a fair bit of noise this week and news, I should say, about a particular supercar driver. Who was that? An ex-supercar driver. Renee Gracie, you're talking about. I am. Yeah, so James Phelps broke a, a big story, I guess. I guess it's a big story. It's not really a big motor racing story. It's more of a lifestyle story, which has a, it's a link to um, supercars, former Super 2 driver, Bathurst 1000 entrant, Renee Gracie, has um, spoken to uh, a journalist, James Phelps from News Limited, about being uh, about how she earns, earns a crust. It's a big damn crust as well. <laughs> Two and a half grand a day 
for uh, being involved in her own adult entertainment, which um, it's 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 amazing. And uh, you're going a little red. You're blu- you're blushing. You're blushing as as we're talking about it. And it is. It's a little odd. Renee, uh, I didn't have too much to do with. I, I got to meet her a, a couple of times. I think while I was at Speed Cafe, maybe, and she was, she just come come onto the scene, and she seemed like a nice, nice young chick. But she was actually quite a good Carter as well. Yeah, very good Carter. Um, as a race driver, she was probably the leading female driver for many years. Um, and then you know, I think uh, she lost a bit of passion for it, and, and sort of went off the scene a little bit. So. Uh, it's a very different career, that is for sure. And to be honest, you know, if you were within motorsport and knew her, we all knew this was happening in the background uh, the last probably year or so, potentially. Uh, but it hadn't really come out in the public. And to see the story break now, there's no real coming back from that, Grant. You know, how do, how do you come back from that if you ever wanted to go motor racing again? Oh, I don't think she cares. <laughs> Looking at uh, James's story, I, I really don't think she cares. She has found her new pit exit and she is uh, driving off into the distance. So uh, good on her and good on all the people who are uh, making her earn a hell of a lot more money than what she or you or most other race drivers are ever going to earn. So um, press on. Yeah, I, I think it's great that she's found something she's super passionate about and you know happy to to share with the world. Now, Grant, I want to share who we've got on our podcast today. Okay, share away. My friend, my good mate, Fabian Colfard, our first V8 supercar driver to come on our show. First uh, current supercar driver, because yeah. we've had lots of supercars drivers. We've had John Bow and Glenn Seaton. No, 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 but current, like, you know, today spec. Today, great. Um, no one's racing supercars at the moment. We're parked up, Tony. We're parked up and we're powered by the race fuels. But as you say, Fabian Coulthard is going to join us on our podcast right now. He regularly partners uh, with yourself in the endurance races. And it's cool that he's offered up his time. Let's grab him on the line. And joining us on the Parked Up podcast, powered by Race Fuels, it is Fabian Coulthard. Fabian, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no worries. How are we, guys? We're we're all going very well. Great to have you as part of the final round of the Car Sales ARG Esport Cup last night. You've been doing lots and lots of online racing, uh, both with that two-hour endurance race around Bathurst uh, that we held last night, but also with the supercars e-series tell us about your uh, uh online experiences over the past uh, 10 or so weeks yeah well at the start um when it was all announced um you know, i didn't have a sim at home or anything like that so i was very green um in the e-racing world so it's been a fast process to you know trying to get better get more laps under your belt obviously being a father of twins i've become a lot more nocturnal in the in the recent weeks and getting up to the wee hours in the morning trying to uh, get on top of the sim racing stuff but it's been fun you know i've enjoyed it um it's very frustrating at times in the sense that um you know you you do all this practice you feel like you're best prepared you can be for that week and then you get crashed into in the first lap and it's like well 
I could not do the practice and be here in this position anyway. Mm. So it's a it's a bit of a trade off. But um, I think it's definitely filled a void in uh, in everyone's sporting calendars, uh, obviously with what's been going on and things like that. But um, now for us, yeah, just uh, looking forward to getting back racing. It's uh, it's certainly probably the most frustrating thing I've ever tried to embark on, trying to get used to it, because I'm a complete novice, as you know, but trying to find that balance between family life and trying to learn a sim, it's much harder when you have a family rather than you know, you're a bachelor and just sitting on a sim the whole time. So I reckon we're at a, a fair old disadvantage. But you've been going really good in the uh, supercar stuff. You've, you've had a win. You've had many podiums. So really, for somebody that hasn't done a lot of sim work, I'd say that's pretty successful. Yeah, I'm going to take that as uh, as credit. You know, it's um, <laughs> one of those things where you, you, you don't know what to expect. Um, but to come away with some results, like you say, podiums and, win, and a win is... Um, it's good, but it's definitely a technique to driving a simulator fast, which mm. I'm still working out. And I think, um, you know, all those guys that have had sort of eight, nine, ten years experience, um, you're going to do well to catch up to that in, uh, in ten weeks. So we've just tried to bridge the gap the best we could. Um, qualifying pace is, um, is hard work. You know, mm. those guys that do sim racing all the time definitely have a knack to, to going fast. But my race pace has been good. Um you know, in all the races, I've always been able to move forward, past cars, things like that. But it's just that uh, outright lap speed um, initially that puts you a little bit further back. Yeah, we saw that in the TCR race at Bathurst the other night. You know, obviously, you know, I qualified the car and, uh, you know, qualified poorly. But straight as soon as the race started, you could see that we had much better race pace than uh, even cars around us and we were able to, you know, progress forward. For me, the last 15 minutes so really felt like the last hour of Bathurst. It was quite intense. <laughs> that, that safety car that came uh, right at the end of the race put us back in contention, and then suddenly we're on the hunt. We we're trying to get positions. There's cars coming from behind. It, it was a bit of fun, but it, I, I felt it, it had that sort of same feeling that we'd have in, in the Bathurst 1000 when we uh, raced the DJR Falcon. Yeah, so this year, are you going to um, sit in the pits and eat ice cream as well or what? <laughs> I didn't tell you that at the time, did I? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but I heard. I heard. Don't worry about that. No, nah, it was um, it was pretty full on. Um, you know, I think I uh, hopped in with an hour and five minutes to go and you're giving me regular updates, 45 minutes to go, and I'm like, mate, this is taking forever. So, um, yeah, I think that last 15 minutes was pretty full on. Um you know, some guys that were coming up behind, we were on a bit of a war path and mm. ended up turning themselves into pretzels, which was all part of our game plan. So, um, but yeah, it was full on, you know, Bathurst is a full on race um, in the real world, um, the last sort of hour, mm. but yeah, the last 15 minutes, I think because the sim racing doesn't quite come as natural to us. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, a little bit, probably a little bit harder than the real thing. Oh, no doubt about that. Now, let's get off online racing for a moment. Uh, tell us about your COVID time. Uh, obviously, you've been spending a bit more time at home, but you guys have been really busy at the workshop. Um, so it's not like just because you haven't been going racing in the real world, you've still been spending a lot of time with the team, helping promote sponsors and you know making sure everyone's happy for when we do go racing again. Yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah, it's unfortunate that we haven't been able to go racing, but um, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel and you know, at the end of the month we'll be back at Sydney Motorsport Park um, doing the real thing, which is very exciting. But yeah, in the short term, um, you know, sort of being 
I say short term, it's sort of been close to two, three months where we haven't been in the cars racing, but obviously we're still supported by iconic brands. Um, they still need to be looked after in, in certain manners to, uh, to promote their brands and their companies. So we've been doing a lot of stuff um in a in a video sense you know lots of videos for all our different partners to you know to try and keep them happy in this period where we're not racing we can't wait to see real racing return it's only a couple of weeks away there's no quite clear idea of what the race formats might be and i think that's a a question a lot of the fans are hopeful or, or, or looking for what do you think the, uh, the the formats might be, or what would you like the formats to be for the for our return to racing? Well, I think at the end of the day, um, our sports and entertainment. So uh, I don't think there's. Well, I don't. Well, I'm, I'm not even sure if this is the right thing to be saying or not. Don't quote me on it, but I don't believe there's going to be any support categories. That's right. Um, that, you're absolutely yeah. right there. Yeah. So obviously, we need to keep the entertainment levels up and keep the crowds engaged for the period of time that we're on track so my visions will be short races crash fests um minimal time to fix cars in between races and things like that so um i hope there's a hope there is pit stops you know and we we do have a a race where there is some dig and there's potentially an overlap to to try and create some action that way rather than just have short races but you know who's to know um, time will tell I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of meetings been going on between um, now and you know the last few weeks to try and get a bit of a handle on what we're going to do but um, yeah I'm just looking forward to getting back in the real thing yeah for sure well, what do you think about the chance of having reverse grid races uh, Tony and I had spoken about this just before uh, it was it seemed to be off the table it might be back on the table what where would you like to see it fit in does does it have a place to fit in do you think we can thank e-series for that <laughs> they <laughs> yeah well, hopefully we just don't have as many cars floating into the sky as we saw with some of those reverse grid races no exactly but um no I think uh you know, we obviously need to, like I say, keep the audience engaged. And, you know, if it means that we do reverse good races to provide some action, um, then so be it. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's, I think, a little bit, obviously, this one, they'll have to come up with some format uh, for us to race. But uh, I think it's going to be a bit of a moving target. And, you know, whatever format we go to, to Sydney Motorsport Park is definitely going to be thought about on our feet. And we'll do a little bit of thinking on the run to, to keep spicing it up but um knowing what that exact formula is at the moment look i'm, I'm pretty unsure yeah well the uh, the best thing will be to have cars just back out on track they can do single lap time trials if they like i'm sure everyone will be happy just to just to be back in the seat and, and entertaining the fans tony and yourself are obviously co-driving uh in the in the number 12 for the endurance races this year which you guys have done in the past as well um not only for djr but you also co-drove together many many moons ago in the tasman motorsport era there was the mid noughties it was 05 06 2005 2005. there you go uh tell me your first meetings your first introductions to to my friend tony d here all right that's racking the brain setting me up many times many years ago um Probably hasn't grown any since then. <laughs> uh, probably still the same height. 
but um, yeah, you put him on the spot here, big time. Orange, white, and blue team uniform. I remember. Yeah. G Mac. Yep. G Mac. Yeah, GMAC. Right? Yep. Yeah, GMAC. There you go. Um, but yeah, it was it was just like a little baby faced kid, like we all were. I actually remember when we first met for that Tasman gig, and I was picking you up every morning in my V6 Commodore Ute uh, to go to the circuit. That's was it I, black? No, I think it was white actually. Oh. <laughs> I man. thought I was colorblind. <laughs> memorable, memorable. Uh, no, it was good to share the car back then. But uh, interesting point, though, Grant. I carry a massive booster seat now to share with Fabs. But back in the day, we actually had our seat on sliders. So, and they the mm. guys set the slider up so the seat went up on an angle and it would lock out at the forward point for, so I could reach the pedals and everything. And obviously, uh, I could still actually drive it with the seat all the way back. So when I came in pit lane, I'd pull the seat back. It was really easy to get out and get back in. Um, but they don't allow that so anymore. So what's changed? Well, they don't allow that anymore. So I've got, got this massive booster seat, as you call it, the Taj Mahal. <laughs> wait, let's, let's, wait, let's go a little bit further to, to this booster seat. Right, this, this booster seat's been with Tony for a few years now. Yeah, four years. And each round we go to... I try and get a ridiculous sticker made of Tony. Yes. And we've got quite the collage now on the back of his in-seat insert. We do. There's one of them in a bikini. Was I supposed to say that? Yeah. No, we need this for yeah, our good, social. Yeah. We need this for the uh, Parked Up Facebook page. We need some of this oh, content. Mate. We need to talk got, offline. Thank you. There's plenty of dirt here. Yeah. Don't worry. Well, Annie May, my sister, uh, was the first one to sort of uh, stitch me up there. Did You got in contact with her, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I, somehow I got the original one. Yeah. I think that come through Josh Silcock, the the original photo. Yeah. And then um, Annie jumped on board. She was like, if you need any more ridiculous photos of Tony, <laughs> I can supply these. And it's just gone from there. So every time I hop in the car, there's something, a new photo somewhere that is, uh, you know, probably take me by surprise like I, I don't know exactly where it is it's not always on my seat it might be hidden somewhere and then you know I'll pull my helmet off uh, cover off or something and, and there it will be yeah <laughs> all right so uh, I've got one question for you though all right now this is a bit cheeky and I want you to give as much banter as possible best co-driver Tony Delberto <laughs> no aside from me well no, seriously, I wouldn't have had you back for so many years if I didn't think you're any good. Oh, um, but one guy that has done very well out of me, dollar per lap, is Craig Beard. Oh, really? Tell us that story. Yeah. Well, Bathurst 2010, well documented. He oh, didn't yes. really do any laps. True. You know what I mean? Yep. And then the year before that, um, Bridie crashed into me on lap 13, so... He's really done not many laps, but got paid in full. So that's pretty impressive. <laughs> that is impressive, actually. But you know, we all go there for results, and I'd ha I'd happily do the laps to try and earn those uh, those dollars. A bit of a reduced uh, uh, calendar this year, later in the year, obviously for enduros, with potentially only one enduro looking to be just Bathurst. That's a little bit of a shame, but at least they've kept the best enduro uh, still going there in the Bathurst 1000. So I'm looking forward to joining you again for that. We've got a little bit of unfinished business, especially from last year, uh, but we've been on the podium mm -hmm. before, so uh, there's no reason why we can't get that podium again this year. 
No, that's right, Tony. So um, obviously we'll be working hard prior to that to, to, you know, to make our cars as good as we can over the duration of uh, the Bathurst event. But yeah, I think uh, you know there's no reason why we can't be on the podium again. So same old story, keep out of trouble, be there for the last hour and that's when the race begins. But it should be a lot of fun. It's good that uh, they've kept Bathurst on the on the calendar for this year, um, obviously with what's gone on and everything like that. Um, so yeah, hopefully, my hope is that they announce more co-driver co-driver events uh, between now and Bathurst, which you know that would be nice also. Tony is sitting here shaking his head violently. <laughs> so well, how, how do you think the doing the Bathurst 1000 potentially without any fans on the sidelines will be a little bit of an odd feeling? What, what's your take? Well, hopefully we've got uh, crowds back before then. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it would like. I think the, the only thing I can uh, put to reference is when – I went there for um, the 12 hour a few years ago um, and stood up the top for the shootout and there was pretty much nobody there. And I think that was a weird feeling in its sense. The fact that I was on the side of the track and part of the crowd and there wasn't much crowd there. And, you know, Bathurst all about atmosphere and the vibe. Obviously, as a driver, we're very lucky that we get to drive the track and, and race around Bathurst, which is everybody's dream. But to do that and showcase what we do in front of no crowd... It'll be very weird. Yeah, well, the uh, we'll certainly be sure that there'll be lots of people watching on TV if that's the case. Fingers crossed the world uh, sorts itself out and, and we can have some crowd, maybe not camping. I just can't see how camping could go ahead in the current environment. Fair enough having your own tent, but the toilets that's probably that's that's the real issue so um lots of things to sort out but as we've seen the world's moved pretty quickly since uh, since the grand prix lots has happened and there's no doubt lots lots more will happen as well fabian coulthard thank you so much for joining us on parked up pleasure talking to you we'll no doubt talk to you uh, again of course um parked up will get the exclusive first chat with the 2020 bathurst 1000 winners so we uh, we certainly wish you and tony all the best for that and we hope you enjoy your return to real race cars yeah awesome thank you guys thanks for being uh, part of the show thanks buddy and we thank Fabian for his time on Parked Up. Nice to hear from him. He's certainly been racking up all the miles in the in the sim, but you can just sort of hear in his voice that he's pretty keen to get back in that real race car. I think he is. A lot of frustration comes from putting all that time in, and, and he wouldn't have a lot of time. He's got twins at home, and he's got a lot of commitments with the race team as well. I think people think that because we're not racing at the moment, the boys are just sitting at home doing bugger all, and it's really not the case. They're probably working harder for their sponsors than ever before. And then to add in the sim racing most nights with testing and committing to doing the ARG Bathurst two-hour as well, uh, which was really cool to do it with him and to partner up with him. The roles were, were reversed a little bit, but I really enjoyed uh, seeing a bit more of a casual side of Fabian during the race and we were on the Discord together chatting the whole entire race uh, and had Rich, our engineer, there as well. So that that was really good, And but I think he is a little bit over sitting on his sim 
most nights into the wee hours of the morning trying to get that practice and try and catch up for some of these guys that are spending all day on it. It's, it's funny, you know, I see on a lot of the, the chats, oh, we're putting up a three-hour practice session at 10 o'clock in the morning, and I just laugh, and I think, who, who can be sitting on a sim right now? Seriously. Three hours is such a long time. So uh, tell me, you did quali, but who was the fastest? Who set the fastest lap time for that number 50 entry? I'd like to say that it was me, and it probably was me earlier in the day, but once Fab's got his eye in later in the race, he actually pumped out some decent time. So still, to be honest, we weren't anywhere near where we needed to be in a quality sort of spec, but our race pace was actually pretty decent. At the end there, Fab's was in front of James Golding, and he couldn't do anything about it, and he was you know, legit fast enough to be in that top eight. So... Uh, once he got his eye in, he got a bit of rhythm and, you know, that edge of the tyre came off. His race pace was really, really good, which he mentioned. You know, that's probably one thing he hasn't been excelling in the in the supercar stuff is the qualifying pace, but then put him in a race and uh, he comes back through the field. And what was it like having Richard Harris in your ear? Now, I, I got to work with Richard uh, in my first year at Nissan Motorsport. He was a uh, data engineer for... Uh, Moth or Caruse, I think it might have been Moth, and then he switched to uh, to go to Dick Johnson Racing, and has collected a lot more trophies since he decided to do that and move up, move up to Gold Coast. Legendary guy, just uh, just the the best sort of guy. What was it like having him coach you through an, a computer game? Well, it was just like the real thing, to be honest. You know, he's telling me, "Ice forward, mate. Let's concentrate, focus." And if you he was sort of riding literally on board so they can tap in and, and go on board with me. And Can he drive for you? Can he just take the wheel? I needed him to a couple of times. But no, like if I made a little bit of an error, he'd be like, right, I might refocus. Or if I made a pass maneuver, he'd encourage me. So it was, it was like we were racing in the real world. Uh, and a funny little story, when Fab's committed to doing the Enduro, I, I quickly was trying to find an engineer that could do the spotting for us. And our data engineer, Ed Williams, I didn't know, but he, he actually signed up to race himself with Aaron Seaton. So he wasn't available to do the race uh, for us. So then I thought, well, who, who's next? And Rich uh, was available. So we booked him in, and then Scotty McLaughlin got confirmed with Ben McMillan, and then all I got was a text from Scott saying, F you. And I, <laughs> I said, oh, what's happened? What's wrong? And he goes, oh, you've taken my engineer for the, the Bathurst two-hour, you bastard. No, that's cool. Um, uh, yeah, it just blows me away that there's so much detail goes into it with having an engineer and, and doing those sorts of things. It's, um, it's just a damn game. Yeah, it is. But the, they do take it massively serious. Like uh, they... We did a practice session on the Tuesday night and Rich downloaded uh, some software so he could see what my fuel burn rate was and he could basically oversee what I was doing. So it meant when we came in for a pit stop, he'd dictate how much fuel we needed, he'd put that in, and then he'd also, uh, you know, we'd discuss how many tyres we wanted to put on the car also, and he'd just sort all that out. So Fabs and I just came in and either ejected ourselves out of the seat or we you know, stayed in the car and pressed on for our next stint. And he was making all those calls on the fly and basically had that opportunity to sort of come on board with me and make those decisions. 
Cool. Well, you did well. You finished eighth, and now we press on. We press on, and we're going to press on to a guy who, like all of us, has been parked up and hasn't been able to do too much in the real world, but he's got his uh, fingers in uh, a thousand other businesses, so I have no doubt he's been keeping busy. We'll ask him ourselves. His name is Trevor Schumacher. He's the Michelin Michelin man, not not Babendum. He's not the guy who dresses up in the uh, big suit. He's the guy who you see servicing all of the TCR Australia teams, Porsche Carrera Cup, amongst all of the other categories that Michelin supply ties to. So, Tony, without further ado, Trevor Schumacher from Michelin Australia. We're grabbing him on the phone. And joining us on the Parked Up podcast, powered by the Race Fuels, it's Trevor Schumach of Michelin fame. Trevor, thanks for joining us. No, that's good. Good, good to catch up, guys. Now, uh, it's been a weird old world over the past few months, and uh, not too many tyres tires being put on race cars over the last little while. Just give us a bit of insight into your COVID-19 story. Well, I mean, like I'm sure the same as you guys, we were all at uh, Albert Park and, uh, you know, we had two trucks there and sort of a, a program on the Thursday and then on the Friday morning all the TCR cars were lined up ready to go and and then there was silence, wasn't there, the rest of the day and then by lunchtime or after lunch we started packing the trucks up and, and we moved them out and basically we've done, you know, nothing since then. Um, I look after a program in New Zealand as well and all the endurance races in New Zealand have been pushed back and then um, the week after the Australian Grand Prix, I look after Carrera Cup Asia, and uh, and then the Vietnam race got cancelled. So our containers up there were all sort of put on hold, and so at the moment we're sort of treading water on all three fronts, really. It's definitely been a weird time. I know that the Michelin race tyres is just one arm of uh, a myriad of things that you that you do, but um, just a bit of an insight for us into what happens with the tyres, the production that you had committed to. You, I can only imagine there's a lot of those round black things sitting in a warehouse somewhere collecting dust waiting to go racing. Well, yeah, like, I mean, like everybody else, we're sort of treading water at the moment. I mean, basically, we had we had tyres on the water to to Malaysia. I've got a warehouse in Sepang at the Sepang Circuit that covers up the Asian program. And then I've got a warehouse in Pukkau in New Zealand, and we had tyres on the water to New Zealand because normally at this time of year, or just, you know, in sort of the April period, there's the uh, North Island Endurance Championship. And so we are a supplier there. And then we had tyres coming to Australia to cover off uh, I mean, I think what was it after the Grand Prix? Two weeks later, we had a double header at Eastern Creek, and so, so yes, you, you're exactly right. We've got uh, we've got a few tyres in store everywhere. They're all sort of parked up, you know, waiting for us to get going again. I mean, globally, when when you think, I mean, I'm just a small little player down here in this part of the world, but uh, but from a Michelin perspective in France, you know, they had to stop the factory, and and so when all the European championships all sort of pulled up, then then it comes to forecasting and you know, those sorts of things we have to think in advance. And the problem, part of the problem for us down here is we have to think three months in advance. And at the moment, it's sort of, it's almost hard to, to have a gauge on when people are going to get going. And in Europe, if they get going, you know, once the once they light the fuse in Europe, all those guys over there can just go down to the factory and fill up their trucks and head off. But we have to sort of pre-plan that and have our tyres on the water. So so we've, we've ensured that we've got plenty of stock sort of 
you know, on the water or in in our respective warehouses. That when we decide, when when we eventually get going, you know, we've got uh, we can uh, we can avoid the rush in front in France, you know, where everybody else is queuing up. Are you pleased with the calendars that you've seen so far? Obviously, uh, TCR Australia has announced this, its stuff. Uh, Carrera Cup, we haven't seen anything from locally yet. I'd imagine their calendar's not too far away. You've probably got a bit of an insight in, into that. Don't uh, don't tell us what's going on, otherwise uh, the guys at Porsche will get real upset. <laughs> but but what uh, are you happy with? how much racing we're going to see and, and how many tyres you, you're going to get to sort of use and sell? Oh, look, I think, um, you know, being in the business for as many years as I have, you know, what I think what this year's about is just trying not to, to burden people too much. I mean, just getting the wheels rolling again and, you know, getting people participating. Obviously, quite a few people will be impacted by what's happened and, you know, cash flow and all those sorts of things. So we just need to, I think, get the wheels rolling and not load everybody up too much. So a slightly um, smaller program for the second half of the year and and get everybody rolling again. And then hopefully on, uh, you know, for us that, you know, 2020, 2021 can, you know, be back to somewhere where, you know, we might have expected to be this year. So, um, I think Porsche, I mean, all I've done, I've looked at the various calendars, the supercar calendar and what have you, and I've sort of, I've got a bit of an idea where they possibly could go because, again, I sort of had to forecast and stab in the dark a little bit. But I imagine, you know, they'll get the ball rolling soon and and then uh, and we'll be, we'll be there to uh, to service that program. Um, up in Asia, you know, that's a, that's a slightly different story because every border we cost up, there's a country border. And so, therefore, the challenges I think in that zone up there for Carrera Cup Asia is um, it's probably a bigger a bigger hurdle to get over. So, anyway, we'll we'll see what uh, you know where that pans out. But I think in the next couple of months, you know, I imagine August or something, we hopefully we'll have the wheels rolling again. Travis TD here, mate. Uh, good to chat to you. Uh, we obviously see you at the track all the time, but we haven't been there for a while, so uh, we haven't actually seen <laughs> each other for a long time. Um, yeah. I want to talk about TCR. Um, obviously, I drove yep. in TCR last year and. Obviously, on board again this year. Uh, the front-wheel drive cars are very different animals. Uh, obviously, a lot of a lot of uh, energy going through the front tires. They're doing all the work, and the rear tires really aren't doing much at all. What What's the secret to a front-wheel drive car with a tire? You know, like it, we found it so difficult to get tire temperature and get that tire to work at the same time as the front tire. Uh, I suppose yeah, that's yeah, probably yeah. the biggest it's- thing. What, what, with your experience, uh, what advice can you give us? Look, I mean, I think globally, you know, you, you look at, across the world for TCR, it's the same formula. I mean, it, it depends a little bit on the – if the ambient temperature's there, that helps you quite a lot. Mm. But when you – you know, when we're dealing with the winter months here and, and you know, it can be a bit uh, cool, particularly in the early sessions in the morning and what have you, getting – generating temperature in the rear tyre is – is quite an art, mm. and uh, and I'm sure you've I'm sure you've experienced how how flighty it can be in the early, in the in the first lap yeah, or no two control. out there. But but, uh, but once 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 you got it there, mm. then you know then I think the balance is good. And and really, in a race sense, it's about trying to look after your front tire. You know, trying to look after the loaded tire, the right hand tire at Eastern Creek, and the right hand front tire at Phillip Island. You almost have to manage yourself back from there. Mm. I mean, I'd like to think that. Um, I've been involved in TCR up in Asia and also that um, when TCR International were running the Asian races, um, our tyre, when they've been on TCR cars, offers good longevity and it's a, you know, it's a good tyre that'll, that'll respond well. If you look after it and pull it back a little bit, you can still get more out of it. So I think overall, I think it offers 
a great balance of performance and and uh, and longevity and mileage. But as you know, they can be quite fragile, and if you if you overload them in the and and particularly if you if you get a, an impact or something, or if you pick mm. a curb on a front tire when they're already you know at the eleventh hour, you know then it's uh, you can damage one quite easily and. That can be the end of your race, as you, I think, uh, if I remember right, you, you probably experienced that once, oh, hopefully only once. Yeah, no, I was actually quite lucky uh, last year. Mm. I didn't actually have a DNF, but we actually saw in practice at uh, Eastern Creek for the first round, I blew a couple of tyres. I think we're running too much camber or something like yeah. that and being a bit too aggressive with the front setup. And that, that's a big learning experience. But that, that was the biggest trick for me last year, trying to get my head around especially in qualifying you've got this front tire that's almost ready to go straight away and a rear tire that just isn't ready to go at all so having that confidence to lean on the tire and trust that it's going to be there in those early laps you just can't and i've said this before on the podcast and uh, david wall gave me some great advice when i first drove the tcr car he said when you think that rear tire is ready to go it's not and it's he's so right because you sort of go, oh, yeah, yeah, I think it's there, I think it's there, and and yeah. uh, then you you know you throw it into a corner and it just flat slides on you and you're facing the other way real quick and they, they go around you know very very quickly. Uh, Tony, so, I'm, I'm not sure. Did you try? I know that some of the guys were doing the the front to rear. You know, they do a yeah. lap or so and they and they sort of do a little bit of that in the qualifying. Mm. I remember even you know if we go back to Super Touring days, which is where you know we were dealing with a lot of front-wheel drive cars there, that was, you know, in British touring cars back in those days, that seemed to be a way that For sure. um, the guys were trying to put slightly slightly uh, warmed-up tyres on the rear and then being able to commit a little bit earlier. But, yeah, Definitely. that's... Well, it, yeah, you can commit earlier and you haven't wasted that new tyre gain that you get the from green, the front tyre. Mm. So, But the thing is, we, we sort of went away from that a little bit during the year because in the race, you don't have that opportunity. So you're going out on yep. cold tyres and... We felt we were a little bit weak in those opening laps because I was getting used to that format of you know swapping your, your fronts and rears in qualifying to mm. try and do a lap, but then you mm. don't have that opportunity in the race. So I think in Europe they they actually allow people to, to change the tyres on the grid so they can you know do that front to rear swap um, before the race, but we we don't we're not allowed to do that over here in Australia. So it does make yeah. it quite challenging those opening laps and. Purely from a safety point of view and crash damage and all that sort of stuff, which we all don't want to pay for or no. have to face, uh, it would be nice to get a little bit of temperature in that tyre um, you know, before we actually go racing in a group, in a pack, and everyone's fierce trying to make passing manoeuvres. So, But I do have one question for you, though, and it's, uh, yeah. it's you know just maybe a bit of a rumour from last year. I heard that Will Brown had softer tyres than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Race drivers in there. Oh, good on typical, typical, typical race driver. I'll tell you, all those tyres that come out of a truck, you're welcome any time to come and help us unload the truck, but I'll tell you, every yep. single tyre that comes out of the truck or our containers, they're all exactly the same. You'd be, you'd be more than welcome to come down and, <laughs> and pick out any, any, any six or ten or whatever you want. Because they'll they'll all come from the same pile. I did actually see so, uh, Will helping you one time empty the truck. So is that the trick? Is I'm happy to give you my time and effort. And, well, it's a way of um, it's a way of us sharing our workload around, you know, to help my help my boys. Anybody that's willing to come down and offer to help, yeah. But uh, but no, look, they all they all come out of the same. I mean, we up in Asia, you know, last season or two ago, we used to run a lottery for the Porsche tires, 
and um, which you know creates a whole lot of work for us. And I and I said, look, they come out of the container, you know, and they realised after a little while that everything that comes out of our containers or our trucks or whatever, we just pile them in at one end and they come out the other. I mean, you put them all out of the ground, as you've probably seen us when we're marking them at all, what have you. But there's no rhyme or reason to as to you know who we're preferencing or they're all they're all the same. Have so in in this new but, control- but Tony, you're still welcome. You're still welcome to come and, and choose yours anytime you like. <laughs> All right, good. He he sends invoices for his manual labour, so you you don't need <laughs> his help. You don't want his help. In the in this yeah. era, this new you know modern last twenty year era of control tires, and you know everyone gets exactly the same. In any of the classes, and you don't necessarily need to name names, but you can because that'll be way more fun. Is there, uh, has, you know, has anyone tried to fudge? Has anyone tried to, uh, you know, ex- exploit where they really shouldn't be? Uh, look, I mean, while in the control era where we've run control tyres, in it's a one mate Carrera Cup Toyota Racing Series TCR, I haven't really experienced that. At Bathurst, when we were at the 12-hour and there was Pirelli and ourselves, where there was a choice and we also had compound choices, there was, you know, then then there was the ability for teams to have an influence. And uh, and so, you know, I really, I quite enjoyed that era and it reminded me of the super touring era where, you know, we used to bring different tyres to each weekend and, you know, the regulation on tyres was quite quite different. And, um, and even in those days, Tony, you could run a different tyre on the rear of the car. So in a super tour, you could run a harder tyre on the front and a softer tyre on the rear to help you with those sorts of scenarios. But you had to still commit to a certain quantity of tyres over the weekend, so you had to manage your tyres. So, oh, I mean, that was... We don't need that you know, these it days. Was, but the thing is now, in the control tyre era, honestly, you know, I mean, in, with, with our brand that I've represented for more mm. than 20 years, the consistency of the product is amazing. I've never had ever, ever had any issues where there's been discrepancies or... You know, I mean, plenty of people sometimes question it and ask the question like you just did then, but no, <laughs> I haven't seen a problem. So you're right. You, you've been in the game for a long time, and uh, I think I'm almost coming up to 20 years covering the sport in in different different ways. And uh, and I've known you for that that long as um, you know the, the guy who's wearing the Michelin shirt, uh, handing out Michelin tyres to all of the teams. But your story goes much further back than that and it's not just a tyre story uh it uh, it harks back into european open wheel racing including formula one as well can can you just give our listeners a little bit of insight into the trevor schumach story oh look you know if i if i go back you know i did a little bit of carts i had a i had a, a couple of formula forwards and realized you know in my 20s that without you know without a budget and uh, it's it's very difficult to sort of uh, to compete. So I went to Europe, and uh, I went to Europe for a four month holiday in 1987, um, knowing Malcolm Osler because I'd raced against him in Formula Ford at Amaru Park and places like that. And uh, and I rang Mal, and he was over there racing, and then he was working for Reynards. And I said, listen, I might come over for a a bit of a look see. And I went for four months, and I been, ended up staying for eight years. I got back, I came back in '95. And, um, and during the time I was over there, I basically worked in Formula 3000. I worked for Reynards. I did one season of F1 with Fon Metal, which is a small one of the little Italian teams when there were four Italian teams. 
and um, and I worked as a race engineer and did all, you know, and it was an amazing time. You know, went one thing, I sort of went for one year and came back and thought, oh, well, I'll go back again, and one thing led to another. Um, I spent a couple of years in Italy and learned to speak the language and lived, in, you know, in the in the northern, in the Lakes District of Italy and, you know, just had an amazing time. And then uh, and then around 95 was when I sort of came back to Australia. And at that time, I, I knew Neil Crompton quite well. I used to water ski and stuff with him in Sydney and he, he was working with Wayne driving the Coke. That's when the Coke team started up. And yes. around that time, Super Touring was on the, on, the, on the horizon and Wayne was offered the Michelin competition distribution because they had no um, supplier for motorsport tyres in Australia. And, um, and so basically it was Wayne's father, Norm, and his sister, Vicky, and Vicky's husband, Dennis, out of Wollongong, but they had no experience in motorsport as such. And, uh, and so through that connection through Neil and Alan Heafy at the Coke team, they said, because I just got back from Europe, would I be uh, willing to go and give them a hand? So I sort of started literally doing weekends. I sort of, ca- and then I, you know, not really having specific tyre knowledge, but I'd worked in Europe and I had an understanding of how all that sort of stuff worked. And then I sort of started to work more closely with Michelin. And, uh, and I went to some of the tests and Super Touring was at the peak. And we had quite a lot of French guys coming out in that sort of, you know, heady period in the late, when was that, 97, 98, you know, when Super Touring was really strong. Yep. And um, and then Carrera Cup started in 2003 and, you know, and away we went. Wayne, around that time in the early 2000s, Wayne, I think, was focusing on his young fella's motorcycle racing and what have you. And he ended up um, relinquishing the distribution. And Michelin spoke to me and said, but I, could I take it on? So, um, so then I went to New Zealand with it, and um, and you know, here we are, twenty years down the road, and I, you know, it's uh, that's that's I'm I'm the man for the <laughs> in this part of the world. I sort of look after their Asian Le Mans and Carrera Cup Asia, and have uh, trucks in New Zealand. So yeah, it keeps me pretty busy nowadays. And not only doing the tyre stuff, but uh, also running teams as well. Tell us a little a little bit about that. Uh, when I uh, yeah, when I got back from Europe, I was doing a bit of freelancing because I'd worked in 3000 and worked with Reynard Cars and 3000 Cars. I looked after, um, I linked up with Simon Harbridge and we ran Jason Barguana and Scott Dixon in the Formula Holdens. Um, and then young Paul Dumbrell, when he was 15 or 16, I sort of looked after him in his days when he drove Formula Holden, um, ran all those cars and, you know, that was that was great fun. We went to New Zealand and, and then in... in early i can't remember what it was now when toyota racing series started in 2003 i think we became the supplier of that program and i bought a car in 2007 and then i ended up running a team e-tech motorsport and i ran up to five cars you know through i don't know to about 2015 and more recently um bruin beasley has taken over the team that i was running and it's now called mtech and so he's one of the four teams in that toyota racing series so i've been linked to the Toyota Racing Series, which I think, you know, it is amazing. It's the best championship in this part of the world for junior open wheel. You know, the quality of the drivers and everything we've had through there has been amazing. So um, so I'm really close to that program over there. And uh, and now I ran that off the back of my sort of, you know, motorsport um, tyre sales in, in New Zealand. So, yeah, no, I've, I've loved all that involvement with the cars. But now, front and centre, I've you know, I've got... Uh, the tyre program is really where my main focus is. So s- selling tyres and, and managing that tyre program or running race teams, what's your uh, what's the one you get the most enjoyment out of? Oh, look, it's, 
you know, I still pinch myself to rep- represent a brand like Michelin. You know, I've been extremely fortunate in the world of motor racing. When you pick certain brands, I mean, a Michelin's an amazing brand to be associated with. Um, so I'm very proud to have that opportunity to look after them and represent that brand in this part of the world. I, I do love the race car stuff. I do love the, um, you know, running the teams and trying to, you know, find the drivers and find the money and what have you. But the reality is I've sort of had to push that to the side because, you know, the, what I do with Michelin now is uh, it takes up all my time and my focus. And so that's uh, that's where my effort is at the moment. But, yeah, I do love the, the race, uh, the actual racing side of it. And one final question. Uh, Bibendum is the Michelin uh, mascot that you'll see running around the paddock. Have you ever had to jump inside the suit to, uh, oh, to he, satisfy he, he, some uh, marketing and promotional um, But But he's things? real. He, he, there's nobody inside him. He, you know, he just turns up on the podium and things like that. There's a massive so, uh, exclusive for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, there's probably been times when I've, uh, you know, I remember in, in Malaysia, one time they needed someone and uh, it was like being inside a sauna. You could only be in there a couple of minutes, 10 minutes or something and you were, but it, uh, no, look, it's a, what an amazing, you know, what an amazing icon he is. Um, what's he now? Must be about 100 and, 110, 112 years old, you know, one of the most recognisable brands in the world. And yeah, no, he's, it's a, like I said, it's an amazing opportunity to represent a, a fantastic brand. Well, Trevor Schumacher, it's been a pleasure having you on Parked Up. Thank you so much for telling us a little bit about your story, past and present. And we, both Tony and I, really look forward to seeing you back at a real racetrack sometime real soon. Yes, we'll just have to keep our distance, I suppose, when we catch up again. We'll have to um, see you from a distance. No, but, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. All right, this time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks and very Tony, much. And Tony, uh, you're welcome to come over and help us unload the truck when we get there. I'll, I'll come and find you. <laughs> I might be hiding. See you, mate. Thanks, mate. And we thank Trevor for his time delivering some uh, cool stories about past, present and future in his world. And I reckon he's actually going to hold you to uh, helping him unload that truck. I'll happily do that. And I'll have like a little tool to see if any of those tyres are softer than any of the others. And I'll put them aside for my Honda-supported TCR Civic because I... I'm sure Will Brown had softer tyres than everyone else. He dominated last year, and I want to dominate this year. So, no, I, all jokes aside, I don't believe that at all. But it'd be nice to get a little bit of a gain, and it was nice to speak with uh, Trev there and, and just sort of pick his brain about you know front-wheel drive cars because it, they're just so different than the rear-wheel drive and require such a different uh, strategy on your tyres. So... I didn't really know anything about his history, to be honest. So that was interesting to find out what you know his past. And I actually knew him from Simon from Visa Global Logistics. So when Visa used to sponsor my car, I had a little bit to do with Trev back then. So I knew he had that relationship many years ago. But I didn't know any of the, the running race teams or anything like that. So that was really insightful to, to you know learn from Trev today. And uh, it was a good chat. He's uh, he's done lots. He's he's been everywhere, and he's got his little fingers in race teams and and doing the Michelin stuff. And, and awesome to hear someone so proud and passionate about about who they work for. He's been working for them for for twenty years, twenty plus years. So to be proud to wear that that shirt and represent that brand and and look after the customers that he's got, then you know that's. You're always going to go and want to do business with that, that that sort of guy. And, you know, when we started this podcast, 
he was definitely one of the ones that I had on my list that I thought we definitely need to speak to him. I knew he had a long history in the sport. Cool to see how how deep it was. I didn't actually realise that Wayne Gardner was the one who originally brought the Michelin deal in into Australia to supply race teams with with tyres. So uh, so so kind of cool there. And uh, yeah, just top bloke as well. Absolutely agree, Grant. Now let's move on because I'm wearing a special jacket today. And uh, do you want to tell the listeners what I've got on? Yeah, you're wearing a Red Bull Honda Scuderia Toro Rosso jacket, which I have no doubt you did not pay for. No. A bit of... I didn't pay for it, no. And this is the jacket that we're giving away. So. Gave away. We've given it away. We've given it away. We gave it away uh, last week. It was a very popular prize on the Parked Up Facebook page. You can find it at facebook.com forward slash parked up podcast uh, we gave that away so um, we're just about to send that off and now we're going to announce who won who won this week's prize this week we were giving away a race fuels hat now if you've been hanging around the back of a, any australian motorsport pit garages you'll see the race fuels guys running around and uh, servicing all of the teams with their fuel requirements of course tony this podcast is powered by the race fuels and they've donated uh, one of their very very special hats that uh, james golding actually on the facebook page gave us a, a couple of photos sporting his dashing hat headwear and we're going to give that away and we're going to give it to a guy whose name is John Zabo. Congratulations, John Zabo. You are, look like a panda in that uh, little photo that you put there. And you are going to soon be the proud owner of a race fuels hat. So congratulations. Thanks for following our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash parked up podcast of course we're powered by the race fuels and we thank them for that hat okay no before we before we go though i'm gonna do my 25 push-ups yeah perfect tony has been doing his 25 push-ups here we go uh, as part of the uh what is it 25 push-ups in 25 days and here he goes he's going to do his 25 push-ups in 25 days and with that, we are going to say goodbye as he pushes his uh, body to the absolute limit. Thanks for joining us on episode 12 of Parked Up, and we will see you next week.